This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Greetings, hikers. Thank you for tuning in to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. I'm Doc, and I'm your host. In today's episode, we're going to take a trip down memory lane back to a concept from high school. Do you remember senior superlatives from your high school yearbook? You know, best hair, best dressed, prettiest, prettiest eyes. You remember that, right? Well, today's episode is about trail superlatives. We've got a bunch of different categories and several candidates who might win that honor. 
We've got best campsite, best view, scariest moment, and some others. Help me, helping me on this trip down memory lane is one of the legendary figures from the trail, Chopper. Chopper is a veteran of the trail and we've done several memorable trips together. Welcome Chopper to the John Freakin' Muir Studio. Well, it's nice to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. It's uh, you know, episode three and uh, happy to make the top three list. <laughs> Wasn't quite, you know, buddy, but you know, have to work with that. You're, you're a, you, you were right up there. I, you, I called well, buddy first because it was alphabetically exactly. butter, but butter, butter, butter. <laughs> buddy. Chopper. Well, that's the way you put it together. So you first talked to Buddy, and then you guys approached me and sucked me into this. That's how the big trip yeah, no, lined up. Yeah, Correct. It's all good. So last week, uh, I, I took a listen to the podcast, to the episode, after we had recorded it, and it sounded like I was coming to the audience from a uh, an outhouse at the KOA. It was a lot of reverb and some kind of uh, echoing in the distance, so we, we have we have relocated to a different studio. This is the new and improved studio for the John Freaking Muir Pod, uh, the, the mobile podcast. The mobile podcast, <laughs> very nice. Chopper, if you if you would mind, just uh, briefly mention three things in your line of sight to give viewers kind of uh, viewers listeners an idea of uh, where we are. Uh, no explanation needed. Just three three items. Okay. Well, we have the, uh, the the flying pig. That's always important to see. There's the uh, the memorial too some fallen people mm-hmm. and of course the globe which can remind us about you know our place in the world excellent excellent very fitting very fitting hey now chopper isn't your your real name obviously no. you don't it's not on your paycheck it's not on your wedding certificate no my mom still does not call me that either okay all right um we we, we can assume that's your trail name would you mind giving us a, a little little history on how you came about being known as chopper sure it was actually uh not on the john muir trail it was uh i was with you and uh, the young uh box as i recall and we had a little side trip up uh, uh where were we up in the sierras um what was the name of that trail mineral king mineral king that's right <clears throat> which has a couple of twelve thousand foot passes and day one was a just a long, normal hike, and as I recall, it was a little bit more brutal on you than it was for the rest of us. I was going to say, I was in worse shape than you were that first day. And the day. next day, we had a 12,000-foot pass to go up and over, and probably about three-quarters of the way up, I got hit pretty hard with the altitude sickness. Do you remember the name of that pass? Uh, no, I'm trying to block it out of my memory. Yeah, that's yeah, probably probably for the best, but I, I will I will just interject. I think it was is Black, it Black Rock, Rock, Black Rock, Rock Yeah, Peak? that sounds right. Yeah. <clears throat> Black Rock Pass. So anyways, uh, we decided to go up and over, and it was a poor choice at that point. We, uh, I was not doing well. I was not seeing straight and had emptied everything out of my stomach. And we stumbled down to a lake and uh, found a ranger, thankfully, who uh, came in, gave me some oxygen, took care of me. He made contact with a local hospital, and they were checking me out. <clears throat> and they made the decision to pull me out with a helicopter. So... Uh, I was feeling good at that point, and uh, the helicopter came, picked me up, and I think you were more disappointed that they didn't strap me into the side of the uh, helicopter like a scene from MASH. That was and- that was exactly it. I was I was so excited. I had my I had the iPhone out. I yeah. was going to record this video of them strapping you to the skid and, and hauling you out in, in emergency fashion, and they put you in a flight suit. They put me in you- a flight suit that was about five sizes too small, and I could barely get it on, <clears throat> and uh, you guys wouldn't stop laughing, and the, and the people who were uh, taking me out couldn't believe all of the jokes you guys were making, and it was like, this is a very serious thing. It's like, no, he's fine. It'll be funny. <laughs> We're, you know, jukebox and I, we're very sensitive. I mean, yeah. we were... But we the were... best part is you guys had to hike out. <laughs> so you had to, you had to finish the rest of the trail and 
thankfully I remembered to give you the keys to my truck. So that was, yeah, that was, and, and hence uh, the name Chopper, Chopper was was earned. It was and, it was well earned. And I'm not sure if you're posting all of your YouTube videos or making them available for the podcast, but there is a lovely scene of the helicopter flying away with me with the theme from Mash playing in the background. It's a, it was a nice touch. It was one of my finest cuts. It was, it was fabulous. Yeah, thank I'm you. Very proud of it. Thank you. Speaking of uh, YouTube, uh, there are a lot of scenes that we're going to be describing. Today in our trail superlatives, um, the story that we've just shared about the helicopter evacuation, uh, I'm going to try and post pictures, and I might—I think I have some video, um, raw we video, raw, raw video footage of the helicopter ride. I'll post that to the uh, both the John Freaking Muir Twitter account and Instagram account. So there'll be, be fun. little bonus, little bonus things there for our, our listeners to take a look at. All right, before we get too far down the trail on this episode, I want to just take a moment to revisit some key parts of last episode. You can call this my corrections and comments section. First of all, last episode, when I was talking about the Deuter pack I bought, in the heat of the moment, with the pressure of the microphone in my face, I referred to it as a 50-gallon pack. Oh, you want me to add a comment? Yeah, sorry. Thank you to the listeners out there who reached out to me to let me know about that. Obviously, I was mistaken there. It was a 50-liter pack. I was thinking the same thing when you first said that. It's like 50 gallons is quite a few uh, gallons to be carrying around. You know, I, when I said it, I, I realized that that didn't sound quite right, but I, I just, the, you know, the word leader escaped me at the time, so I went with gallon. So a 50 gallon pack would be way too big. It's like a 10 gallon hat, you know, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, a 50 gallon pack would be like a 200 liter pack, which would be very spacious, could accommodate my gear, Chopper's gear, Buddy's gear. But uh, it would be very impractical for the trail. I would have been happier if you had carried all my gear for me. That would have made the trip so much better for me. If I was the size of Paul Bunyan, I could have done a, a 50-gallon pack or a 200-liter pack. But uh, it was it was a 50-liter pack. Okay, so there's the first question. Got to be accurate. Yes. Also, I slipped up not just once but twice last episode when I referred to Buddy by his real name. That's a no-no on this show, Chopper. And I will do my best this episode to stick to your hard-earned trail name. You earned that name. You are Chopper. You got a JFM. Yeah. And something else occurred last episode during the free flow of conversation back and forth with Buddy that I thought was pretty cool. We stumbled upon the pro tip insight of the week. Last week's pro tip was either don't pour boiling water into a Ziploc bag or don't do intentionally stupid things. I'm not sure which, but they are both pieces of sage advice for the trail. So I'm really looking forward to discovering what this week's pro tip insight of the week will be. It will not involve a helicopter. No. You can't plan for it. You can't plan for the pro tip. It just needs to spring out of the stories from the episode. So that's our challenge today, Chopper. You up for that? I'm up for it. Okay. And finally, if you remember, I did talk about guest contributors sharing stories from the trail. We have our first official guest contributor who has shared a story about an overnight stay on the tallest mountain in the lower 48, Mount Whitney. I want to thank Dr. Bob for taking me up on my offer and sending his story to me. It is a learn-from-my-mistakes kind of story, and I will share that at the end of today's episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. One more thing, Chopper, before we get into the superlatives. I know you're a big sports fan. If you're also looking for a great sports podcast, you should give the Commuters Pod a try. It's three guys you may know who have very different opinions, giving their takes on a wide array of college and professional sports. Their favorite teams and opinions span the width of the country for sure. They've got a rabid New England Patriots fan, a Philadelphia sports nut, and of course, Southern California sports is well represented as well. 
tune into the Commuters Pod and give it a shot. All right, let's get to it. Let's take a look at some different categories and share our nominations. Now, I have shared my nominations with you ahead of time, Chopper, but I'm not sure what you're going to say. I'm really looking forward to hearing your noms and stories and reasoning behind them. It'll be exciting. (laughs) Such enthusiasm. I can't wait, man. Here are the five categories tonight, and I'm sharing them because I don't want the same nominations for different categories. No overlap allowed, all right? Fair enough. Today, we're going to talk about most memorable moment on the trail, best campsite, best view from the trail, scariest trail moment, funniest trail moment. And if we have time for it at the end, maybe we can throw in their most beautiful lake and toughest river crossing. What do you think? I'm in for it. I think we might have the same story for the scariest uh, moment, but just because we were together at the same time. Okay. Well, there, we'll, we'll mix up the stories, though. We'll, okay. make, we'll make it fun. All right. All right. There are any other categories you'd like to see? No, that'll be great. Okay. Like I said there's so many other things that are beautiful up there. It's like, where do you stop? Right. All right. Let's, let's, let's do this. So first category, most memorable moment. Uh, this was, you know, after searching my, my memory banks, um, it also, it's, it's kind of a, it's a very funny story for me, um, but it, it, for that reason, it's very memorable. So I'm going to go with the story of skids on the side of a mountain. See, I thought of this for the funniest trail moment, but it, it, it's it, it, it could have gone for either one. It could have been. So this took place uh, during our northward trek on the, the uh, our attempt on the northern half of the John Muir Trail. We picked up a couple of extra hikers on this trip, so it was more than just me, Chopper, and Buddy. Uh, we added uh, jukebox and uh, what would we call it? Is a Bigfoot? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or E. Yeah, what was that? I think it's just Big E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Big Big E, and and uh, another hiker by the name of Skids. And this is uh, how he got his name. This, yeah, this is the story of of the trail name of Skids. And so we were we were uh, hiking north from Muir Trail Ranch, and it was uh, an incline day, a lot of going up and up and up after uh, starting the hike. And this was our first day on the hike, and Skids was not acclimated at all to to the hike. Uh, his pack was probably he, he he's a big guy, but his he, pack he was, had the fifty gallon bag. Yeah, yeah. He had, it was like a 50-gallon bag. It, it easily weighed, I would say, 50 pounds. Oh, at least. And he's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and it stuck four inches above his head. It was massive. Yeah, he, he brought all of his all of the creature comforts of home with him and thought that it was going to be no problem. And he ran into a problem. We were heading up, and uh, he started to feel pretty poorly. It was hot. It was the altitude. It was everything was hitting him at the same time. And everything. Everything. That's right. And so we were on the side of this mountain going up some switchbacks. Not a lot of protection. Uh, we stopped to kind of give him a breather, give ourselves a breather. He decided that he he just, he really needed to take a break because it was not going well for him. And so we were there for quite a while. And uh, Chopper and Buddy and Jukebox and Big E decided, uh, okay, they're going to go ahead because we're heading towards, I think it's Sanger, Sanger Creek. Yeah. Uh, they're going to go ahead, and I was going to hang back with Skids and make sure that you know he's feeling better, and then we, we get started. So in short order, it was just me and Skids on the side of the mountain on this trail under this lone tree. That I was, was saying, it was a very exposed side of the mountain. It, it was, was the one tree. Yeah, there was one tree, and the tree wasn't even on the trail. It was like 10, 15 feet off down the, the trail road, yeah. down 
down down the mountainside. And so I don't even know how much shade, if any, it was it was providing. But there was just this this one tree there. So you know, a little bit after the rest of our crew is out of sight, Skid says, "Oh no, oh no!" I, I said, "What? What's going on?" And he says, "I'm I'm sick to my stomach. I got to go to the bathroom." And I said, "Well, you and I got to go now. <laughs> I got to go now." I said, "Well, you know, hustle down to that tree. You know, go off trail about ten, fifteen feet, and there's the tree right there." And so he did. He he hobbled, hobbled and crawled uh, off the trail over behind this tree, and uh, he's there. And it's you know he's he he's taking care of business. Taking care of business. And I look down the trail, and coming up the mountain is a, a, a mom and I probably a 10 or a 12-year-old son. I don't think we had seen anybody all day on the trail at this point. Right. This is the most inopportune <laughs> time to run into another another uh, couple hide. of hikers. Nowhere to hide. Poor, poor Skids is behind a tree. And I said, hey, Skids, Skids, <laughs> we got people Skids. coming. There's people coming. And so he says, oh, my gosh. So he... He kind of pulls himself together and hobbles back up to the trail, and uh, he was he was not finished. He was in in the middle of things, but he he got himself presentable and he's up on the trail again. And the mom and the the uh, the son walk by, you know, none the wiser, hopefully. And they they walk by us, but they only go about thirty feet, <laughs> only go about thirty feet past us. Let's take a break. And they decide to take awesome. a break, and so there they are on the trail. Taking a break, uh, packs off, taking a breather, and I'm looking at Skids. Skids is looking at me, and he's whispering, "Man, I got the pressure. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta go." And so, thankfully, you know, they they left after uh, not too long of a break, and and Skids went back to back to the tree and and finished Finish up. What we started. Yeah, so that that was one of my most memorable moments on the trail. Yeah, you because know, there's a lot of those moments where you're you know having that quiet time to yourself uh you know mm. down by a tree or something and, mm. and a deer walks by or mm-hmm. something like that and just kind of looks at you funny he's like what are you doing in my my house like, yeah yeah one of the mornings one of the mornings on that summer 2015 the southern half trip i came face to face with a with a deer at a very <laughs> at a very la- awkward moment on so. our last leg before we got to twilight meadows it's like hey good morning <laughs> All right, Chopper, what's your most memorable moment? Well, I mean, there's so many of them. There's so many beautiful things out there. That's the hardest part is, you know, all the different categories. They Just about anything could fit into a lot mm-hmm. of them. But I must say the most memorable thing and the story I do tell the most does have to do with my name. Mm-hmm. You know, getting picked up by a helicopter, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty funny. You know, I think because I was fine mm-hmm. and I was feeling good and it was just a little bit of uh, shame involved. But there's nothing better than a story like that where... You're getting pulled out of a uh, a national forest by a rescue helicopter, and yeah, you know the the funny part is because I called my wife on the sat phone to say I'm fine, I'm gonna be okay, and I got her voicemail. You know, I finally got a hold of her, and she was at the beach with my sister-in-law, and she was so put out that she had to get up, <laughs> drive all the way up to Visalia to pick me up. And I think by the time I got to the hospital. And they dropped me off and they released me from the emergency room. She had just left to pick me up. So I had to sit in the emergency room for like two and a half hours waiting for her to pick me up. And, and I'm the stinky guy wearing all the, all the gear and everything. But that helicopter trip was pretty, pretty, pretty memorable. So I, I thought the helicopter trip would fit into one of these categories. It would make an appearance tonight. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it would be most memorable, if it would be uh, best view. 
from it the was, trail. It was lovely, and of course, all the pilots uh, and all the people are pointing down at me, smiling. That's 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 where you got stuck. It's like, yes, I know, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar. I feel fine. Now. Could have could have been scariest trail moment because of the way you were feeling. It could have been funniest trail moment I, I for think, how it worked out. I think out. if I was strapped to the side of the helicopter, that would have been much better. I know you have enjoyed it. That would have been epic. The little tiny outfit yeah. was nice too. Yeah. So, so Mrs. Chopper was not too happy with. Uh, no, with she you. was more put out mm-hmm. by uh, having to get up off the beach and come up and pick me up. So, mm-hmm. but that was one of the uh, pointers from, uh, you know, the last podcast is make sure you have someone reliable to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean she wasn't happy about it, but you know, she was reliable. She, she just eventually come pick me up. She is. She is reliable. She was a trooper. Yes, and if I recall, there was. You had you had kind of a funny story at the emergency room. Was, weren't there some strange characters uh, or a strange character in the emergency room at um, the same time? Other than me, yeah. Not that, uh, what are you thinking of? Because it was funny because the the cops kept walking around and checking everything out, and I had my trekking poles. That was it. That and was they it. were like, "What are those?" And I'm like, "It's a trekking poles." I was backpacking. And I told the story, and they took my my bag because I had you know like a, a just a utility knife and my trekking poles and they locked it up in because it couldn't be around because they said I was I was next to the psych ward and they didn't want anybody to accidentally grab my stuff and start running around the hospital so Visalia Hospital that's yeah. top notch see, stuff see that was it I was remembering a strange character and now you've clarified <laughs> the strange character was you that's true that's yeah true. yeah so they, they took away the dangerous implements from the straggly, yes. uh, the sketchy looking, uh, sketchy looking yeah. guy in the in the. Well, we ER. always make fun of that, you know, when you're out backpacking. It's like you're harmless looking, but you have a purpose, right? So, it, we we didn't smell much different either. Yeah, very good. All right, let's go to the next category: best campsite. There were so many of them, and they all had their different characteristics. You know, some of them, there was one. You remember that Tully Hole had that giant rock. That we had the fire in front of, and it was like glowing, like we were a bunch of pri- primordial men running around. <laughs> yes, and the fact that 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 area was named Tully Hole, and it was right in the the, the thick of the Game of, Game of right. Thrones, which we did speak about constantly in detail on the trail. That's right. It was it was an ever popular conversation on the trail. What's what's going to happen in Game of Thrones when it comes back? Well, that was the one thing, the common theme that everybody knew. So we could all talk about it. We could all tell stories about it, and all our at the time theories about how it was going to end and what was going to happen next. Yeah. So was that your best campsite? Oh no, just, that was just just a, a, just a, a campsite. A campsite. A, yeah. oh, okay. So one of what that, could have been one of many. That was not a nomination. No, no, no. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to nominate. I'm going to nominate this spot that was so epic on the hike that I did southbound in fall 2017 with Jukebox. Uh, we did the southern half of the JMT, and on the last, on the next to last day, we were approaching Crabtree Meadow, and we ran into an old timer uh, who evidently had done this hike many, many times, uh, going the opposite direction. So he I was later coming, he was coming down yes, from Whitney. I later connected with him on Facebook in one of the Facebook groups, oh, really? just haphazardly. It just a topic came up, and we both commented on it, and I. And I, it, it looked like the guy, and I asked him. And he says, "Yeah, oh yeah, that was that well, was hilarious. me. Yeah, it was very cool." So Rick, if you're if you're out there, I'm I'm talking about you. Um, we encountered Rick, and uh, he asked where we were going, and we said we were we were going to plan for uh, a night at Guitar Lake, and then do uh, get up real early and do a sunrise summit of Mount Whitney. And he says, "No, no, what you have to do is this afternoon climb up, and about." I don't know, a quarter mile, maybe less than that, short of the Trail Crest Pass 
sign, the, the sign that points to the Whitney Trail. Um, about a quarter mile short of that is a, a spot for six tenths. So you were camping above 13,000 we feet at, at that we, point. We were at 13,400 feet. Ooh, that'll give you a headache. We had a perch that overlooked Guitar Lake. The clouds were incredible. The sunset was incredible. We we hightailed it up there. We got up there about uh, 4, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. We set up our tents. We left our packs. And then we, we did the last little bit to Mount Whitney. By the time we got to Mount Whitney, uh, it was almost sunset. So instead of a, a sun sunrise uh hike in the morning a sunrise summit we did a sunset uh summit and there was nobody else up there yeah everybody's gone there. yeah and so it was you know being alone on top of mount whitney the the highest point in in the the, the the lower 48 was just a phenomenal experience and then that night um camping at that spot thirteen thousand four hundred feet looking out over guitar lake just absolutely gorgeous um the wind howled a bit, but, uh, <laughs> but it was it was absolutely beautiful. Well, for me, it was like, speaking of wind, if you remember the second night when we did our first southern half, and we were climbing up the Tawanda Lake, because we had to make up some time, because our first day was really bad, and I was beat tired, and the wind was howling. You get to Tawanda Lake, and it's above 10,000 feet, so there's not a tree in sight, and the wind was just whipping, and we were tucking behind some big rocks to try to get through the night what made it the best campsite for me was when i woke up the next morning it was one of those spectacular sunrises with crawl out of the uh, tent and there's a, a stream nearby and there's no more wind mm-hmm. not a cloud in the sky actually beautiful clouds in the sky and the sun was coming up and the mountains were all purple and the um, clouds were all that you know just bright pink and you you and uh, buddy were still snoring and i was just sitting out there just soaking it all in it really was one of those kind of zen moments mm-hmm. when you're sitting there all by yourself and nobody's around it's like okay now it's worth it i can i feel inspired now and i felt so much better after that you know because like i said i was exhausted from the day before mm-hmm. and then we went up to you know what's that um mirror pass right mm-hmm. there yep. and it was one of that i still remember that as my fate one of my most favorite moments on the trail and it was that campsite which was started off sketchy as all could be, mm-hmm. and it was just absolutely stunning the next morning. Yeah, when you camp above ten thousand feet, um, you're above the tree line. It's in, exposed in most cases. It's exposed. It's rocky. There's there's uh, it looks pretty desolate at times, uh, depending on where you are. But you know that was it was a nice nice sight. Wanda Lake is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, those are some of my, my favorite pictures from the trail. Yeah, is, I still is, go back is, and look at them. It's like, okay, I like those the best. Well, that was a turning point for you. I'll have you know that that was the worst night of sleep on the trail <laughs> I've ever had. Oh, it was horrible. The wind was whipping. Yes. My tent was just rattling the whole time and yeah. whipping, and that was the worst night. And I think I, I think I was I was halfway delirious all night. I don't know if it was from the altitude or it just so over exhausted that I couldn't get comfortable. Well, if you remember the day one, we were short of our target, mm-hmm. and Brian was like, "We got to get moving." And it's like, "Okay, we had we have to get to Wanda. We have to get to Wanda." And yeah. we had dinner early. Was it Sapphire Lake with all the bugs? Yeah, yeah. So that was just miserable. Yeah. And then we you know hightail it to this lake, and I think the sun was just going down when we got up there, and it's like, thank God, there's a yeah. campsite that we could find. Yeah, there were so many bugs at Sapphire Lake. How many? How many? How many gnats do you think you ate? Um, uh, seven as, or eight thousand. As you, as you ate it, dinner, it, it was the protein intake was was what I really needed. Solid. So it was all good. 
Solid. But uh, that was the worst. We had the, the the nets on our heads, and they were all flying everywhere, and it was like, mm-hmm. that was the worst. Yeah, and you know what? You, you bring up a very good point about um, the first day of hiking. You know, we had a goal to where we wanted to get, and we fell way short of that goal. And so the second day, we, we really... Uh, put our noses to the grindstone and I actually stopped the group if you remember I stopped the group because it was it was march as fast as you could right. because we had to make up the miles and I I said I cannot do this I did not sign up to <laughs> put my head down and look at the calves of the guy in front of me and not and miss out on all the the beauty that we're walking through I said I, I want. I want. That's I, why we I, had dinner early because it was like we got to rest, we got to relax. Yeah, I may soak have. It in. I may have said, I don't care if we're a day late. I, I you know, I'm not going to punish myself uh, and miss out on all this just for the sake of hitting some predetermined goals that we had established. So, well, so, Bunny didn't have enough top ramen and spam to make an extra day, so that's why he wanted to push. Yeah, it on. I think in episode two we talked about the extra food sources that yeah. we had. We could have made it. It would been. It I, I had plenty of food. I was. I was one of those guys who way overpacked. Yeah. We would have been fine. But uh, just a, a note to hikers out there. Sometimes the plan works and sometimes you have to adjust the plan. And uh, it's not doesn't mean failure or success. It just means adjusting the plan. So there you go. Good times. All right. Now I, I've got a couple for this next category. Uh, this is best view from the trail. And if you've ever been on the John Muir Trail, you, you know that there are so many gorgeous stunning views out there it's tough to narrow it down um i would say that kind of playing off uh, my last nomination about that campsite at 13,400 feet being on top of whitney at sunset with just me and jukebox up there and the cloud formation and it, you know being almost dusk it was just absolutely gorgeous it was uh an incredible sense of accomplishment and from one position from one spot on the rocks up there you're looking back at where you came from you can see guitar lake and the hut the whitney hut up there on top of the mountain uh, you turn the other direction and you see all of owens valley you know, spread out before you it's just absolutely gorgeous and you literally know you're the highest spot around that's right i told yeah. jukebox i said right now there's nobody else remember this in these 48 states that is higher than us right. with their feet on the ground so that that was uh that was very cool I think another top contender for this might be um, on top of Glen Pass, looking back at Ray Lakes. Yeah, that was beautiful. Ray Lakes area of the John Muir Trail is just spectacular. You have a, a, a series of three? Yeah. I think the Ray three Lakes... Ma- three major lakes. Three yeah. major Ray Lakes. And I think there's Arrowhead Lake and Dollar and Lake a bunch of little ones next, yeah. next to it. Um, but as, as you're standing on top of Glen Pass... Which is a very narrow ridge. Yeah, it's, it's, to, it's like a knife edge. You step over the top of the ridge. Yeah. So you, you climb up from Ray Lakes Basin and you're going up, uh, seems like a sheer sheer wall, and you get to the top of Glen Pass and you turn around and you look back and the lakes are just you know blue and sparkling, so bright it hurts your eyes. And, and uh, there's little islands out in, yeah. in, in, in the middle of the, uh, the bigger lake the closest lake once you're on Glen Pass but you're standing on a probably a, a four foot three or four foot uh, a little wide path, yeah. path at the top of Glen Pass it is is you're right it's I it it, it reminds me of, of a knife edge you you walk for about 30 feet on this uh, knife edge and before you cross over and switch down, back down the other switch side. back down the other side well, if you remember the first time we went over there there was 
we were standing up there on the top of that pass, soaking in that uh, that view, and we could hear lightning. And we're like, we're standing at the top of a pass, holding metal poles. We probably should get out of here right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. But for me, Ray Lakes was definitely on the list. You know, just when you're walking up by the lakes, mm-hmm. they're so clear, and the reflections of you know, and Fin Dome is right there, and it's just that that is that was one of my choices. But I must say the Sheldon Pass. Or Selden Pass. Selden, yeah. When you come up and over and Marie Lake is down below. And when we were there, there was still a bunch of snow. And that's, you know, still the background of my iPad and stuff like that. Just It's one of those pictures that I have in my mind. If I want to go to a good place, it's up there. Because mm-hmm. the, it's the same thing. you got the crystal clear blue lake, the reflections of the mountains behind. And we just sat up there, I remember, for much longer than most of our passes. And we all just kind of soaked it in. And everybody was just kind of not saying anything, just doing that head nod, looking around, going, "This mm-hmm. is pretty cool." Yeah. Now, when you say you want to go to a good place, you mean like you just want to get in the car <clears throat> and, and, and drive mentally, drive up yeah. to Marie Lake, or yeah, yeah. no? no or mentally, if I need to get in a good place. Mentally, if I want yes, to get to a good place, got it, got it. Selden Pass was one of the most beautiful ones, mm-hmm. but I also do like Pincho Pass when you're walking up to that. Mm-hmm. Same thing, the lakes, the reflections, and that's got the big red rock. Right. That's, that was also on the list, but. I think Selden Pass is the one for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. When we come back from the break, we will talk about uh, a very exciting category, the scariest trail moment. So stay tuned for that. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right, we're back. I'm going to talk about the scariest trail moment from all of our hikes. Um, I know you had a, a pretty harrowing episode on the chopper, but that is not your scariest moment. No, not at all. Uh, my that was actually fun. Flying in the helicopter yeah. was a good time. Yeah, the the, the unfun part was getting was, sick. Was, was retching, the past, retching yeah. all the way down. But that wasn't scary. That just sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and I was not embracing that suck. Mm-hmm. So my scariest moment uh, had to be that summer of 2015 when we were crossing Forester Pass. Yep. So definitely on the list. This, this comes after Glen Pass, and we spent the night in I think Vidette Meadow. Up, right. Upper Upper Vidette. That sound right? Upper Vidette. Sure. I think they actually had bear boxes up there. Yeah, they did. That's where we ran into the the uh, PC tiers. That's right. Well, that's where the trail's the same. Crumbs and naps. Do you <laughs> sure. remember those two? How do you guys remember yeah. all yeah. those names? We're savants. Okay. Yeah. You and that's why he did. that's why he's buddy. You mm-hmm. that that's right. So after that that uh, campsite in Upper Vidette, we uh, we headed up towards Forester Pass, which, if you know, is the highest pass on the John Muir Trail 
at 13,200 feet. Yeah, right around there. I think Trailcrest might be a little bit higher, but... Well, Trailcrest is not officially oh, part not of, officially uh, uh, of okay, the John Muir right. Trail, because you're heading down to Whitney Portal at that, t- at that point. Or um, the escape route. Yep. So, Forrester is the highest pass on the John Muir Trail at 13.2, and as we started that morning, it was... Uh, Lovely. Yeah, it was sunny. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't bad. And as we got higher and higher, the, the, the weather kind of turned a little bit. Clouds kind of came in. It got misty up there. It was mostly we were in the cloud, yeah. which, was, which was kind of cool at the start. A little yeah. chilly, but uh, yep. it went downhill from there, no pun intended. And, and we are about a mile from the pass, and the wind started whipping up. I'd say easily 30 35 mile an hour gusts. Yeah, and the temperature started really dropping. Temp- your 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 hands, if they weren't in gloves, were were hurting. It was it was that cold. Uh, it started hailing. Yep, we were hit by <laughs> hail and then rain, and and then rain <laughs> and then thunder. Thunder, you could hear thunder, and we there we are trapped on the side of the mountain. We're too far up. Right. To we we said we can't. That was go, the conversation. We can't like, go back. We can't go back. Can't now. go. I'm not going downhill. We're almost there. We're almost. Got to be around the bend. We're a half mile from the top. Just finish it off. Get up over the top, and and everything's going to be fine. And there came a point, probably uh, a half an hour after that decision to keep going, where we stopped, took take a breath, and we looked at each other with these big wide saucer eyes. Thinking, what the heck are we, we are doing up here? Ill-equipped. I have very thin rain jacket, shorts. That's right. And that was about it. I yeah. was freezing. Hypothermia was setting in. All the shakes three, were kicking in. All three of us were in shorts. Yeah, the shakes were in. Hypothermia. Here we come. <clears throat> we finally get to the top. We pose for a picture. <laughs> the infamous picture. The infamous picture, which I will not talk about because that's that's in the the trail notes here, the bio of. You're of, welcome to talk of, about of the podcast. It. I just would prefer you not post it again. I will not post it. I will not post it. <laughs> we took it. We took a picture up there. It was very comical because we, we we were we had agreed that every every pass that we went over, we would do a just, uh, a, a, just a selfie, a yeah. selfie, the three of us at the top of this pass. So even though we were miserable and cold. And worried about getting struck by lightning with metal poles in our hands at 13,200 feet, we stopped and we took the selfie. <clears throat> I didn't realize they were taking the selfie, so Buddy and uh, Doc are smiling like it's a brand new day, and I have this confused look on my face. And that's the one picture that <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the best, <laughs> but the worst at the same time. <laughs> and it, and it so, pops up all the time. It was a fantastic picture. Yeah. I actually took it back to my workplace and used it at one of my staff meetings. Yes. I, I forget how I tied it into what we were talking about. Don't but be that guy, I think, was part of it. That, that could have been. That could have been. Classic moment. And every time it pops up on your screensaver, you send me a picture of your computer where it's like, hey, look at this. Remember this? I do. Yes. And so uh, we quickly uh, shoved the... Shoved the, the uh, I shoved the phone back in my pocket, and we got up over the top and marched down the other side of Forrester, uh, which became basically a riverbed because the water just ran That's down the trail. That's why it was trail. so sketchy. The, yeah. The water was just coming down, and mm-hmm. we all just put our heads down and went. It was like, I will see you at the bottom. Yeah. I'm not waiting for anybody. And if you haven't been on that side of Forrester, um, the, the, the side closer to Mount Whitney... It's really steep. It is. It is sheer. I mean, you're you're on the you're on the side of a cliff uh, going down uh, these these switchbacks, but it it is very sketchy. Yeah, so, it was, it was especially a, with water 
and and small small and medium sized yeah. rocks, rocks running down running the down the trail because of the because of the the water flow. It was it was crazy. Yeah, we got to the bottom of the hill. And the the weather broke for a little bit, and I was like, oh great. And then all of a sudden, it just started dumping again. Yeah, and it's, we finally broke out the tents and found a little little area off to the side and some trees and all crawled in. Mm-hmm. So I know you've got some other stories for uh, yeah. beyond that. But for me, the scariest one was that night. Because if you remember, it got super clear. It was beautiful. Sun came out. We were all like laying out in the sun trying to get warm again. We actually had a discussion at camp that night whether or not we should put rain flies on. Right. Because it was that's how nice the weather was. It was so nice. And uh, we, we had run into a, a ranger. We hadn't seen a ranger in a long time. And we had just... You know, built up a little uh, fire ring that we weren't supposed to uh, be having a fire. But it's like it was super cold. We just had that terrible night, and she walked up and she's like, "That's not supposed to be here." And we're like, "What fire ring? It was here when we got here." So we slowly tear it apart. But that night, that storm came back, and if you remember, it's like we all crawled in our tents, you know, at eight o'clock, getting mm-hmm. ready for bed, and the thunder was, you know, twenty miles away, and then it was ten miles away, and the flashes of lightning were. You see, flash of lightning, five seconds, boom, three seconds, boom, one second, boom, and pretty soon it was flash of lightning, explosion, thunder over our heads immediately. And we're in those little one-man tents, mm-hmm. and it's just dumping rain. I'm like, this is the animals. We're not going to get out of this. That night was, I think I slept less that night than some of the other windy nights because yeah. it was so loud. I stand corrected. I think I said the worst night of sleep I had was uh, near Wanda Lake. Right. Uh, that that second night of, of the trip, this was actually this was the worst night of sleep because you're right the the storm just it, it kept getting closer and closer. The lightning it was on us. The, the thunder would happen. Uh, it was instantaneously. You would have the, the flash. Of you'd the have the flash of light, and then you'd have the the crack of the thunder. It was right on top of us. It was absolutely nuts. And, and Buddy mentioned it in the last uh, episode. It was like the next day we saw the ranger, and she was like, oh, my God, that was the craziest, biggest storm I have ever experienced in my life. And I've been up here like five years. Yeah. She was more worried about, did everybody survive? Because there was that big plateau right past mm-hmm. there. And she was like, those guys went camping there last night. Did you see if they, did they come back? And she was super nervous. Yeah, Bighorn Plateau. It was huge. Yeah. That big, storm big, was massive. Bighorn Plateau was a very cool area. I actually wanted wanted to try and camp there on a, on a later trip, but I, I didn't didn't quite make it up there. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with the ranger because she, you know she she had a ranger station to yeah. to, to be in, which was <laughs> not good for her. <laughs> but uh, she t- took her job very seriously, as as every ranger I've met out there does. Yeah, super and friendly, but they they mean business. They mean business, and she as, at first light she was walking her entire territory to check on campers to make sure that everybody was all right, which was very cool. And that storm was so bad. If you remember, Buddy went to go find her. And say, okay, where's the out? How do we get out of here from here? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, you go up and over Whitney, mm-hmm. because there was no from that spot, there was no way out that was safer and quicker. Right. She goes, well, there's this one trail, but it hasn't been taken care of in a few years. It's probably gone now after mm-hmm. that storm. So mm-hmm. you might want to just keep going the way you're going. Yeah. After Forster Pass and then that storm, uh, we were done. Yeah. We, we we wanted we were ready to for the, <laughs> for this trip to be over. Uh, but we hung in there and we we finished it up. It was it was a great time. Yeah, that was a sketchy day. That was. All right, let's move on to the funniest trail moment. And I, I you know, <laughs> this particular stretch of trail has a lot of stories. It does. 
this this stretch going over Forrester and then the the thunderstorm that that night. In between that, as we came down off of Forrester, you may remember I said that that we were all in shorts. Yes. And in in rain jackets, thin thin rain jackets that you know, windbreaker might be a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the teeth were chattering. We get down off of uh, off of Forrester. We finally get to off of the switchbacks. We're down at the base of Forrester, and. I said, I, I've got to put on my rain pants. I am freezing. <laughs> yeah, I'm soaked already, but I need to put on my rain pants. I got an idea. I've got pants. Yeah. So I reached, I took off my bag. I reached into my bag. I dug out my rain pants and I put them on. And as I'm struggling to put them on, I don't know if it's the altitude. I don't know if it's the, the hypothermia, whatever. The brain was not working too well because I, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm putting them on backwards. So I, I take them off. I struggle. Boots on. Yeah. I, you don't want to take off your boots. Yeah, of course. So I, I left the boots on. I'm struggling to get them over my boots. So now I've got to take them off again. And I get them situated the right way. And I start pulling them up again. And I realize, no, they were on correctly the first time. And now I have put them on backwards. I really wish I hadn't run by you at full speed, <laughs> you know, trying not to die myself and stopped and watched you <laughs> stumbling over your pants. <laughs> So here I am sitting in the mud, uh, taking off my rain pants for the for the the second time and trying to get them on the right way. It was what what should have taken five minutes was a good exercise of you know twenty five minutes with a lot of cursing, a lot of shouting at the wind. Um, the visual I have is there's like three marmots sitting on a rock watching you, just like what is wrong with this? Guy? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't funny for me at the time, but looking back at it, it was hilarious. I can only imagine what a third-party observer would, yeah, would, would have, have thought. So for me, the uh, the number one memorable, funniest moment, it was the uh, the first time we went, we tried the northern half, and we're just uh, starting to come into Red's Meadow area. So you start to see more and more people. There's It's more populated. And, you know, you see people coming up your direction, and you just kind of look ahead, okay, what's, who's the person coming at you? And I go, oh, my God, that guy doesn't have a shirt on. That must be so uncomfortable hiking without a shirt on. Wait a minute. That guy doesn't have short pants on either. That guy is backpacking naked. And there was, the, you know, five of us in a line or six of us in a line. And all of us were walking by him at the same, with the same expression. And he looked every one of us in the eye like, what are you looking at? And he only had a little tiny fanny pack just covering his naughty bits. Strategically Str- placed. It was per- thankfully placed. Yes. And every one of us just like couldn't stop laughing. And at the very end of the line was Skids, and he turns around with his camera, and he's like, oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so <clears throat> the other funny picture that pops up on my screen all the time is the back view of Naked Hiker. Yes. I will, I will try and find that picture and post it on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. And Perhaps I, he will reach out on Facebook and tell you who he is. I actually got a, if you can believe this, talk about um, uh, uh, synchronicity. I actually got a message on Instagram this morning. From Serendipity. So Serendipity, if you're listening, this this is for you. She asked if the naked hiker story was gonna make an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> How did she that happened that? that happened this morning. Excellent. So nice job. You you should go buy a lottery ticket. And the, the best the funniest thing is none of us really cared. It was like, okay, could you imagine the chafe? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine right. the mosquitoes? Because oh, we were in a man. section of horrible mosquitoes and how much sunscreen must that guy go through mm-hmm. on that trail? But yeah. it's like why would you do that? Yeah, I think we said that we, we, we gave him the trail name of Chafe. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Chafe, the naked hiker. 
Hopefully we'll see him again soon. All right. Hey, Naked Hiker, if you're out there and you were, this was summer of 2016. Yeah. Uh, if you were. Just past Red's Meadow. Coming out of Red's he, Meadow. He was going south. We were going north. That's right. Uh, hit us up on uh, on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter or uh, email johnfreakingmuir at gmail.com and let us know. All right. It's that time of the episode. I think we can safely weigh in on the pro tip inside of the week from this week's episode. Chopper, what do you think? Well, I think it's the uh, the tip that when you uh, you set a plan and you're going to hit miles and you don't hit them, it's okay. You got to be willing to wing it. You got to w- be able to adjust, and there's always plenty of time to uh, get done with the trail. That's right. You know, so much of our lives is spent watching the clock and uh, making sure we, we're working our 40 hours a week and we're getting to soccer practices on time and we're you know we're rushing here we're rushing there when you're out there in the middle of the wilderness and you're not going to hit your miles be flexible wing it it's nice to have a plan but you got to be flexible yep yep very good all right let's check in with dr bob you remember our guest contributor dr bob and his antics from the top of mount whitney let's hear it Hi, I'm Bob Shattuck. I've done the John Muir Trail now. Uh, what is it? Uh, 14.5 times? I'd call it 15 times, but those last two were kind of only half the trail, if that. Anyways, this probably comes in under the category of scariest moments on the John Muir Trail. And for me, that, well, no, scariest moment probably was something else, but... One particular time was when I had finished the John Muir, almost. I was on the top of Mount Whitney. It was a beautiful day, absolutely stunning, no cloud cover, no wind, and I was up there with my good buddy Gio and his girlfriend, and we decided to spend the night. So there we were, like I said, (laughs) you know, absolutely gorgeous. It was probably three o'clock, four o'clock, and we spent the entire, you know, afternoon just sitting up there, kind of enjoying the whole place, and uh, I set up my tent. I set it up. There's, on top of Whitney, there's, there's a couple little sandy spots that are rock-walled, and you can, you know, set a tent up, or just, you know, throw your bag down, or something like that, but things change rapidly. Uh, Again, there we were. It was, you know, Got into the evening, five, six, seven o'clock. Weather was still beautiful, windless. And I really wasn't thinking too much about, oh, things could change suddenly. So I just set up my tent very casually. I did not um, stake it down too well. And by stake it down on the top of Whitney, I kind of mean use a bunch of rocks to make that thing solid, you know, so it's not going anywhere, which is where this is going. And uh, I don't know what time it was. Could have been around uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe even earlier. But uh, you know, I was suddenly awakened and kind of thrown around, you might say. Not too violently, but <laughs> enough. Uh, it was the wind. The wind had uh, picked up to a degree that it was tossing my tent that wasn't very well staked down all over the place. And I spent the rest of the night just kind of bouncing in the tent. (laughs) 
it'd go up, it'd come down, and it, it, I wasn't, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, um, I wasn't pitched near the edge. I wasn't on some scary precipice, but you're up there on the top, and it's kind of weird, and you're thinking, what if this thing blows over? What if the wind just takes the whole tent and just rolls it across the top of the mountain? What, you know, you all think, all think, you consider all sorts of things when you're up there like that. Uh, you know, but I made it through the night just like constantly bouncing, you know, up, down, up, down, you know, this, this side, this side, this side, the tent was everywhere. And finally, in the, you know, early morning hours, I was just so relieved that the sun was coming up and I felt like I could sort of get out of the tent and get the hell off the top of that mountain. Uh, but I still couldn't figure out what, what I should do just, you know, to get out of the tent. It was like, <laughs> it was like a ride you couldn't get off of, but I finally figured out, well, if I just unzip the tent a little bit, maybe I can get out there and unstake one of the... Uh, or unhook one of the poles, and that's exactly what I did. I got the whole thing to essentially deflate by just uh, pulling out the poles. Luckily, I had uh, two windows or the two, two, a two-doored tent to do that. But uh, no sooner do I get out than my buddy is, uh, and I'm, I'm just running around. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I don't know why. I was just really annoyed. I was like so so pissed off. I was just ready to get, you know, the trip was done, basically. All I had to do was get get down, get off of Whitney, and after that night, I was just, get me the hell out of here. And my buddy was, uh, he was happy as could be, because he'd spent the night with his girlfriend, and I, I guess they were tacked down, or there were two of them in the tent, at least, so it really didn't go anywhere, but uh, funny enough, no sooner does, uh, do I get out of my tent, which is now kind of deflated, as it were, you know, on the on the ground, then he and his girlfriend get up and they, they, you know, they walk away from their tent. And guess what happens? The tent flies off the mountain. <laughs> it flies off kind of the, uh, the northeast section, kind of where the, the uh, 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 what do you call it, the Mountaineer's Route comes up. So my buddy had to climb down the Mountaineer's Route to get his tent, which was, you know, just sort of like stuck, but yet you know, dangling and, and just about to go off into the wild blue yonder before he got to it. So he was really lucky. But that's uh, that's kind of what was a you know a learning experience there. If you get up on top of Whitney or any of the big high passes on on uh, on the John Muir Trail, and you're you know able to stay there, I've stayed on top of Mather. I've stayed on top of Glen. Mather and Glen. I guess I've stayed on top of Mather and Glen and Whitney a couple times. Uh, don't uh, don't don't take anything for granted. If there's no wind, you can be assured that at some point in the evening there will be a lot of wind, or not. You might be lucky. Who knows? But that's uh, that's just one story from the John Muir Trail, and I hope it, maybe it helps somebody. I know it certainly helped me. I just don't camp on top of Whitney anymore. <laughs> All right, out of here. So, wow, just wow. That's all I had to say about Dr. Bob's story. Chopper, what do you think? What's the pro tip from Dr. Dr. Bob's story? I definitely do not want to camp on top of Mount Whitney. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a reason they don't want you to camp on top. Yeah, you're not even supposed to stay in a little hut, but let alone set up a tent. <laughs> Bob trying to wing it out there uh, 
on top with the winds going and no anchorage. That's a good way to lose your gear, too. Almost did. Almost did. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 3 is in the books. I want to thank Chopper for coming on today. My pleasure. And helping me out with the superlatives episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll come back on a future episode, Chopper. I'm looking forward to it. For our listeners out there, keep tuning in, as we've got some great episodes coming your way. I'll do a pack Shakedown episode and a hiking-slash-adventure-media episode where we'll take a look at what's out there in terms of what we're reading, watching, and listening to in order to get our adrenaline fix. We'll also take a look at some other trails we've done in California, including the High Sierra Trail and the Trans-Catalina Trail. And of course, we'll hear more epic stories from the trail from folks like Jukebox, BA, and Slowmo, as well as more guest contributors. Remember, if you're interested in being a guest contributor on the John Freakin' Muir pod, there are a number of ways to get in touch. There's email at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com, as well as Twitter, at johnfreakinmuir, and Instagram, johnfreakinmuir. And for clarification, there is no G in freaking. I will also be posting some of the superlatives Chopper and I talked about on Twitter and Instagram. So if our awesome verbal descriptions weren't enough, you could take a look at the actual pictures of the places we talked about and perhaps even a video of the Chopper Evac. And the uh, naked guy, of course. And the naked hiker. Not a naked uh, helicopter guy. Also, if you are hiking all or part of the JMT this season and would like to be a correspondent from the trail in order to share conditions and stories, please get in touch and let's set that up. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir Studio with Chopper and Doc. Thank you for tuning in, and always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.